RNZ National, and it's time now for Midweek Media Watch with Hayden Donnell, who joins me in the Auckland studio. Hi, Hayden. Kia ora, Karen. Let's start with the Herald, who had to publish a correction, I believe, following the headline, A Nation Divided. What were they actually referring to? Yes, so yesterday the Herald did run this article, A Nation Divided, and it was based on an exclusive NZ Herald Cantar poll, and it claimed that Aucklanders were strongly divided on the question of whether we should have extended the level Level 3 lockdown in Auckland. And that conclusion, while it was very exciting, that, that, that statement, A Nation Divided, also very exciting, did not appear to match any of the data contained in the story. So if you actually look at the data that the NZ Herald Cantar poll collected, it actually found that 56% of Aucklanders backed the government's decision to extend the city's Level 3 lockdown for four days, and another 19% wanted it extended even longer. So that's 75%. Very high would be called a landslide most of the time if it was any other poll, but it was actually lower than the rest of the country. The rest of the country was around you know, 80 plus percent on those two sections put together. So it was Auckland was a little bit less than the rest of the country, but not substantially, not a nation divided, not a nation at war. And actually you found across the country you had almost 90% support, or 89% in Auckland, more than 90% in other places support for some form of lockdown, even if it ended on the day it was meant to end, which was Wednesday rather than Sunday last week. So if anything, rather than a nation divided, the real takeaway from this poll is actually a nation surprisingly miraculously united. Well, how did they get it so wrong then? Yeah, so it did concede that it had got it wrong today. It published a bit of a correction in the paper, noting that there was strong support for the lockdown and its extension, even among Aucklanders. And I'm not 100% sure how it got it so wrong. I'm still working on it. The story was by the political reporter Amelia Wade, and she's done just really impressive work throughout the pandemic, including breaking the story about, if you remember this, the National MP Hamish Walker leaking COVID-19 patient details to the media. She was behind that. So she's done really uh, important work throughout the pandemic. What I do understand is that the Nation Divided call came from a bit further up the chain. And if you know how these things work, it's not just coming from the reporter's pen straight into the paper. It's going through a series of editors. And it's one of their exclusive polls. So it's, it's going through a series of editors. So was the headline just at odds with the body of the no, copy? No, so the copy itself also said Auckland is strongly divided over the question of whether to extend the lockdown. And that's not accurate either if you do read the poll results. And actually the Herald's reporter Simon Wilson wrote today, you know, the real story of the poll. And he noted this fact that actually Auckland has overwhelmingly supported the lockdown even though it inconvenienced them personally. An apology or a correction? A, a correction. I wouldn't say there was no word sorry in there. And it's it's possible to speculate on why this was happening. Look, it's possible that they just got a pretty boring poll result and decided to go with some kind of exciting narrative here. They went with stretching the figures a little bit in a way that actually stretched them to breaking point. But it's also worth noting that there is another NZME brand that has been taking that preordained narrative pretty seriously and pushing it pretty hard, and that is the NZME talk station News Talk ZB. And its hosts are pretty invested in the nation-divided narrative, particularly its morning host Mike Hosking, which has repeatedly criticised lockdowns and on Monday, in fact, actually argued that the latest Level 3 lockdown was not even necessary at all. 
Now that view is actually backed by only apparently 6% of New Zealanders overall and 9% of Aucklanders. So it's actually a very unpopular view, which is very unusual, I think, for Newstalk ZB, which is actually probably seen as the bastion of middle New Zealand. Is it? <laughs> is, is Newstalk our version of Fox News? I think that's probably what they actually want it to be, or, the mar- or it might be marketed that way a little bit. Not no- all their presenters show their political <laughs> colours, though, do they? Sorry, is, is Newstalk our version of, of Fox News? I think that's unfair to Newstalk. I'm going to defend Newstalk here. It's not. It's a lot weirder and it's a lot more diverse than Fox News. It has Marcus Lush in the evenings calling out racists. I'm not sure that Fox News has that same... Uh, diversity of opinion amongst its hosts. So it has Simon Barnett, who is a very mild-mannered man. You know, uh, it, it's it's a little bit more diverse than that, but it is interesting that the station is not in lockstep with the vast majority of New Zealanders on this issue. It's not just Hosking. It's Heather Duplessy-Allen. It's Kerry McIver. They're all railing against these lockdowns in some to some extent. You know, Kerry McIver saying government warnings about COVID uh reprehensible because they're keeping us in fear. Heather de Plessy Allen is arguing for more risk-taking when it comes to moving down through the alert levels. These uh, positions that are actually, it seems, according to the Herald, and this is interesting, out of step with most New Zealanders. Well, in the NZME camp, getting back to the Herald, that wasn't the only issue with questionable information in the Herald yesterday, was it? What, what else did they publish? No, it wasn't. And so the other story in the Herald yesterday that was very iffy, and iffy is putting it pretty lightly, but it actually republished an article from the UK's Daily Telegraph, which had the headline, Cheese Pizza Colon, Internet Pedophiles Exposed. <laughs> Sorry, will you read that again? <laughs> Cheese Pizza. pizza. I, I'm, the colon is not in the... That's a, that's, <laughs> A punctuation. That's column. grammar. Okay. Yeah. Internet pedophiles exposed. So if you see that headline and you're at all familiar with internet conspiracy theories, it will raise a whole clamour of alarm bells in your head immediately because those words, cheese pizza, that relates to an internet conspiracy, Pizzagate. Brief recap on Pizzagate. It's about four years old. It started in 2016 when John Podesta and Hillary Clinton's emails were hacked. And people went through John Podesta, it was one of uh, Hillary Clinton's advisors, emails, and decided that the references to cheese pizza meant child porn. It spiralled, to say the least, and ended with a man breaking in or walking into a New York pizza shop with a gun demanding to expose a child sex trafficking ring that he was convinced Democrats were running in the basement of the pizza shop. Plot twist, the pizza shop doesn't actually even have a basement. This is how... I'm trying not to laugh. (laughs) It sounds ridiculous, but these ideas have now been incorporated into this sort of er conspiracy theory, QAnon, which is now convinced that uh, children are being abducted and stored in caves around the US. It's, It's all related to that, and it creeping in to a mainstream news website is a deeply concerning So the Herald re-ran a Daily Telegraph story under that headline, let's get it right, Mm. Cheese Pizza, colon, Internet Pedophiles Exposed. That's right. So if you want to read the whole history of how this went from 2016 and this weird Internet Pizzagate rumour into the Herald in 2020, you can read David Ferrier's Substack site, Webworm. He's catalogued it. But uh, long story short... Uh, the person that this story relies on is actually pretty affiliated with QAnon and appears to be associated with this Save Our Children campaign 
uh, which believes that children are being abducted and stored in caves around the U.S. The well, story has since been taken down. And why, how would that happen? How could they just do? They, they have a deal with the, with the Telegraph where they get stories. Yeah, and so it's just, a content sharing deal that they'll have with with the Telegraph. And the Telegraph, it was written by their social media editor. It appears that he's just been scammed by a pretty questionable character out there who only gave their first name as India and is associated with this this conspiracy movement. So another apology? In this case, uh, the story was taken down and replaced with another story (laughs) with the headline, Story Removed from Website Pending Investigation. So I do want to give the Herald credit. In both cases, I've acknowledged that there's been a bit of a stuff up here. But I guess the the thing that I want to raise here is that the fact that it was published in the first place shows just how important it is that journalists are well-versed and familiar with the basic tenets, at least, of these internet conspiracy theories. Because they're not just irrelevant curiosities now. They're huge movements with dedicated followings, you know, numbering the millions of people. That's That's the recent figures. Millions of people on Facebook. This is... A huge problem with social media that they're enabling this, and the rise of Billy TK Jr. in New Zealand shows that this these movements are here as well, and they have huge uh, followings here. And you don't want to necessarily uh, be accidentally sharing their content by not being familiar with it. I'm talking with Hayden Donnell for Midweek Media Watch and Magic Talk, Hayden. They're in the gun from the World Health Organization's David Nabarro. Who's he? Yeah, so David Nabarro is a man with a reasonably impressive CV. He Just essentially he's worked for the Director General of Health at the World Health Organization. He's worked for the UN in high positions. And if you do want some more anti-lockdown pontificating, you can actually go to Magic Talk and that's another one of these stations like News Talk that does provide it. And one of the hosts that is pretty against lockdown Lockdowns is Ryan Bridge, and he got this man, David Nabarro, on uh, recently, and he thought that, or he at least thought that David Nabarro would be one of his allies, and he had secured a pretty important backer. And so, in the interview, David Nabarro does seem to concede that New Zealand will have to emulate Sweden, which has famously refused to institute full COVID lockdowns, and that's what was posted in a tweet by Magic Talk. This is that clip. Right, so that is where New Zealand is heading, Sweden. Yes. Well, I don't want to say, you know, I don't like comparing countries and saying this country is better than that country. The key thing about but the Sweden their approach, approach I suppose. The, yeah. yeah, the key thing about their approach was that the, the government was able to trust the public, the public is able to trust the government. And where you've got trust between public and government, uh, it is you get a good result. Now that clip was actually posted in a tweet by Magic Talk, and and it, it ran the story under the headline, NZ should move to similar approach to COVID as Sweden, WHO Special Envoy Dr Nabarro suggests. So that was the angle that Magic Talk was taking out of this, but it was actually pretty misleading, both the clip and the headline. So both before and soon after that clip that you just heard, David Nabarro actually expressed strong support for New Zealand's recent lockdowns and most of its actions or all of its actions on COVID to date. And this is an example of that. But what I'm saying is that yeah. it's your view that the approach that New Zealand is currently taking with the, you know, the more draconian lockdowns, eventually yeah. we should be heading towards an approach that Sweden is taking where everyone takes responsibility for social distancing and masks, etc., but that you yeah. operate without lockdowns. That's the hope. And, yeah. But I want to say it will be necessary from time to time 
when you're nervous about what's happening, you don't know where the cases are coming from, to do a little bit of local movement restriction in order to help you to get in and work out what's happening. And it buys you just a little bit of time. So that's David Nabarro talking pretty much immediately after that former clip that I played, the first clip that I played. So he's actually saying that, yes, you will need to lock down from time to time when you're uncertain about cases, like we were with these four that popped up in South Auckland. And so he's actually taken pretty strong exception to the reporting that Magic Talk did, particularly the tweet that it did, saying that he was backing a similar approach to Sweden and New Zealand and also the headline. And he's issued a statement, which is pretty unusual, a very high-powered man at the WHO, issued a statement saying that he uh, that this misleading headline undermines the valiant efforts being made throughout New Zealand to contain a virus that is killing thousands every day across the world. And... It's just really another example of a New Zealand media organisation pushing an anti-lockdown message that's out of step with uh, the reality of the situation. Did Ryan Bridge bring this up on his programme? I haven't heard him bring it up on his programme, but what I will say is that Magic Talk has deleted the tweet, the original tweet where it it posted that misleadingly edited clip from David Nabarro, and and it has changed its headline. David Nabarro still takes that exception to the existing headline, which kind of pontificates about whether New Zealand should copy Sweden or not. He doesn't like that either, but it is a little bit, uh, I guess, a little bit uh, toned down from the original. Well, journalists are under fire from all quarters and getting criticised here about the way they're handling the questioning of our officials over the pandemic. This is not a new thing, is it? Journalists have been criticised for their performance at the 1pm press conferences since they began. Uh, On Sunday, there was another flare-up of criticism after the Herald journalist Jason Walls asked these questions to Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. Demonstration of that at all. Apologise for this. It seems like there's been a lot of confusion around something that is, I mean, it's a pretty critical mistake. Jason, the Herald can certainly help us with this issue. We do need to make sure that we get that correct messaging out and we will keep asking for that support. I'm working very hard to establish what happened here because we do need to make sure our messages are nice and clear. It, I mean, by your own admission, it was a mistake and you only heard about it this morning when it went out um, yesterday. So surely there needs to be some sort of apology. So one of the issues we have, of course, course, is that not all of the comms is individually signed off by me. Now, that was Jason Walls questioning Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern about some comms that went out from the all-of-government response to COVID-19, which encouraged every West and South Aucklander to get a COVID-19 test, regardless of whether they're symptomatic or not. Mm, I heard that and thought, oh, I wonder if I should get a, a test. Yeah, so you weren't <laughs> the only one that was worried. A lot of people... We're worried, and this is not this is not a minor thing. It's better than telling people not to get a test, but it does did cause a lot of fear, including from you. Not fear. <laughs> I don't live in West Auckland anymore. Oh, okay. Confusion. Confusion. <laughs> yes. Confusion. But even even the Manuko councillor Efeso Collins, he said that it had caused a bit of unnecessary fear. So Jason Walls is there asking for an apology, and that was literally the extent of it. Those two questions and the press conference and moved on, but there was a huge outpouring of criticism. I thought it was so banal. I was actually listening to the press conference. I didn't really think much of it. And people were, I guess, annoyed. They thought they saw it as hectoring or inconsequential or that it was uh, 
unfair to ask Jacinda Ardern to take responsibility for it. That happens, well, not just close to an election, but it's political, isn't it? The response. It does seem that way. Like, there have been times throughout these 1pm press conferences where you're like, oh, well, was that a very good question? But this one, uh, these are not minor failings. This is not a minor failing. It does affect 700,000 Aucklanders and, and it affects some of our most vulnerable communities. And it involves the Ministry of Health and its issues have been well documented and that includes breaking promises to test all border workers and breaking promises to test all people in managed isolation facilities on day 3 and 12 of their stay. These are not minor failings. We now have COVID-19 in the community again and we've just gone through a two and a half week lockdown. And it's a banal observation, but given that same set of circumstances and this most recent uh, comms slip-up, I'm not sure that all of Wall's critics would be quite as upset about the tenor of his questions if it was, say, Judith Collins or Bill English or John Key on the podium. Interesting observation. Hayden, thanks very much. Hey, thanks very much for having me.